0: Now, Jess, you said you got COVID again? Yeah, so... This is new COVID or this is the old COVID that I knew about?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. This is old COVID that you knew about. This is uh, COVID that prevented me from joining the family on Christmas. Right. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, guys, um, we always have uh, Christmas and or Thanksgiving dinner together in some combination. So either all of us show up or some of us show up or whatever um and yeah i couldn't i couldn't spend christmas dinner with the family because my crazy self had COVID. what i was actually supposed to be doing that week was i was supposed to be flying out that monday morning before christmas to link up with uh, one of my best home girls um in Cancun. We were going to meet up in Cancun. We were going to spend some time out there. Um, we were going to fly to, uh, I can't remember if it's Oaxaca or if we were going to go to Isabel, where it's- but one or the other. And um, then when she flew to the third stop, then you know she was going to fly to the third stop and I was just going to fly home because I was going to be home in time for Christmas. Little did I know that I was going to be out among um, a bunch of the folks in my fraternal organization. <sighs> And I was gonna be doing that all weekend because it was a big weekend, like it was a whole bunch of events and stuff. And you know, folks hadn't seen each other since the top of the pandemic or whatever, and we hadn't been able to socialize. Well, child, I was out there in them streets and got COVID, and so <laughs> like I started feeling sick. Like literally, the morning I woke, I woke up at like five in the morning just to make sure or maybe like 3.30 or something like that, just to make sure I had like all my packing officially done. And I started feeling like crap. And the longer I was up throwing stuff together, I felt more and more and more like crap. And so it was getting closer to, um, I had already checked in for my flight, but it was getting closer and closer to time for me to leave. Um, I'm thinking to myself, oh, well maybe I'll just take a shower and I'll feel better. Nah, same. I erred on the side of caution. Cause what I didn't want to have happen would be for me to, you know, be okay to take the flight and whatever, get to Mexico. Cause you know they're gonna test you and stuff on the other side. If they don't test you when you get there, they're gonna test you on your flight to get back. Right. And I know that because I've traveled out the country since the pandemic. So <laughs> I didn't want to get there and then, you know, have to take my test to hop the next flight. And then they'd be like, yeah, sis, you you team, you're going to have to sit right champ for the next two weeks. Yeah, nah. Um, so I aired on the side of caution, canceled my flight, got the flight credit, so that was fine. Um, and had to quarantine. And I took me a rapid test. The first one was negative. Waited a couple of days, even being asymptomatic. I went and took another test and boom, positive. Woo! So that was what, that Thursday, right before Christmas? So, yep, broke the news to the family yay, won't be coming to dinner. So everything I had planned to cook for y'all, because I was supposed to be cooking a portion of the meal, right? Everything I had planned to cook for y'all, I just sat here and cooked myself, and I had my own Christmas dinner. I actually had a blast though, <laughs> so <laughs> I enjoyed myself. It's funny. So she
0: just talked about that Thursday. And that Thursday is when I got married.
1: It totally was. It totally
0: it was. Crazy. Yay. There's a lot going on during that. Yes.
1: There's a lot going on that Thursday. <laughs> also, that we
0: had decided that um, my wife and I decided we were going to do, um, it, I don't want to say it was like a quick marriage, but it it was kind of like we decided we were going to do it in a certain way. And we had a brownstone wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do plan next year, well, this year. This year is next year. This year, we plan to have something bigger with the family involved. But um, yeah, that was really fun. Um, and we only invited maybe like our best, best friends because we wanted to keep it super small because we were going to do it on somebody's house. Mm. <laughs> and we didn't know the, the occupancy. Um, but you know, I think we had maybe four people with us and they really helped set everything up. Um, it looked beautiful. Um, there's a few pictures on my Instagram at Shine Travis, um, but yeah. So that was really interesting, and like Jess said, that same day, her friend actually that a person that she knows um, that we all know in common was telling us about Jess going to get tested, and waiting in line, <laughs> and so like it was just so much going on. Um, I'm glad that Jess is better. I'm glad that the wedding went went off easily with um with how we put it together and um and the family was well. Um, so you know now it's a new year it's March of 2022. Um we have not potted since August of twenty twenty one. oh god but I can't didn't
1: realize it was that long
0: I didn't either until I just looked at the the analytics and shout out to you guys who are downloading the pod for some reason. I mean, it's not a, a a lot of you, but um there are people who still download even as recent as 3 days ago. Downloading episodes. So that's cool. So thank you guys for for continuing to check in.
1: I always check in ever so often and look at our um look at our numbers, look at our analytics and like our our reach keeps spreading. This is so dope. So imagine, you know, us getting more regular with the with the posts and what have you. And again, we, um, as we said with our intention from the beginning, we really don't want to be a current events pod, <laughs> but it just so happens that um, current events, depending on what they are, they often um, beg for you know some analysis as to how um, it's going to impact Black folks, or you know when and where we enter, if you will. So we do like to take those types of um, not so deep dives and you know just at least give some type of uh, analysis or context to where black folks enter into that thing, whatever it is. So um, that being said, and um, you know, even talking about me having had COVID for the second time, um, so what folks you know, do or do not know? Um, a lot of my work or all of my work almost is uh, both both professionally and privately is community facing, dealing with wellness, health, equity, and what have you. No, I'm not going into that topic today. However, it just really um, came to mind because it's something I'm personally experiencing as well, especially now that I've had it twice. (laughs) Um, And although both cases for me were very mild, I was very lucky and fortunate as opposed to so many other people.
0: Yeah, even uh, when I had COVID, it wasn't, I mean, I didn't have to go to the hospital but it was severe enough to where I couldn't walk to my kitchen without big mm-hmm. breath.
1: Exact um, same.
0: And I was coughing. And luckily, again, we have close friends who um, would, send, you know, send us things to help us. And even my neighbors uh, were very helpful with me. Um, but it was extremely tough. Um, and it made me kind of, it, it really influenced my perspective on, you know, health and, especially in, in terms of covid and taking covid seriously because it is something that affects us all differently which um i think we should be mindful of especially when we think of community you know
1: yeah not only be mindful of it but um and again we we're, we're going to cover this in a whole other episode because we de- i definitely want to take a deep dive into um current health concerns in our community because that's that's, that's going to be a big one um but something that we're seeing the effects of they haven't gotten the data for yet um that that's still new if anybody's even um pursuing that uh but the effects of long covid what they're calling long COVID, as in the long-term health effects and impacts on folks' health who had COVID. Because one thing about my experience, I can tell you without a doubt, that some of the effects or or symptoms that I felt during the fact, like mental, like a lot of folks um, report cognitive decline. And I, I, for one, have definitely felt exactly that like I can literally be sitting in a conversation with you and we can be going over a topic that is very familiar with me. I can't for the life of me like recall a certain name or a certain word. Simple word like the word can be suitcase, but you know like like I'll just be like um the thing, you know it's it's over there the thing. Like That was never really as significant of an occurrence before, but I've noticed like that happens more often than not since, um, having COVID and especially now since having had it twice, like I definitely have my moments where, you know, I'm still sharp and I'm still good to go. I'm still smart, but there's just a lot of times where stuff just doesn't connect (laughs) <laughs> and and it's something I know that I know. So like then that creates a whole other mental struggle where I'm sitting there like, come on now, you know this, like you you can get this. I'm you know having pep talks with myself, but it's is, it's is, you you just have moments like that. So like the brain fog, cognitive impairment, um, other folks that you know thank thank God that I don't have um, most of the physical. Um, more debilitating effects. But what I can say is that I was born with asthma and having had COVID has definitely exacerbated my asthma. My asthma was not this bad as an adult before. I might have had an attack maybe once every five years of that. Um, and it could feel more like panic attack, if you will. Um, but I definitely had to go to a pulmonologist all that type of stuff afterwards and i'm definitely going to want to also talk about that financial impact that it's had on black folks but we'll get into that another episode Uh,
0: i'm just to add a tidbit on there um you know like i said uh i do know people who have had issues especially with a lingering cough
1: i mean Mm -hmm. myself
0: myself I feel like my mucus production has like increased dramatically Mm -hmm. (laughs) since I had COVID. And I mean, I got COVID in April of uh, 2021, Um, but you know, I definitely feel like um, there's definitely a change physically when it comes to like mucus and coughing. There's definitely a change there. And I had to modify certain things and I need to continue to modify certain things, but I'm a lover of dairy and eggs (laughs) So that doesn't help when it comes to the mucus production things but um, yeah I think COVID is definitely something that we should monitor and I mean the issue for me that I pointed out even to friends um, and also working on COVID management in Africa on the continent is the um, alleviation of mask mandates Um, vaccination mandates to some extent I can empathize with a little bit more even though I'm fully vaccinated and boosted um, the lifting of, of mask mandates is something where I look at the federal response and the state response and I just in the city responses and I'm just puzzled because um, when you have situations like this where you go through waves, especially in the holiday seasons in the summertime. Um, and we've seen it now this is going to be the second year in a row that we've gone through those similar holiday waves because people travel. Um, and then you ramp up mandates and you make masks mandatory until the curve is somewhat flattened, even though that's also suspect because the CDC has changed what they view as um, high alert um, instances of COVID rates. But when you do start to flatten the rates and then you take away those mask mask mandates, now people are spreading or have the potential to spread it again like they did before. Um, so for me, it's almost like the like taking medicine to feel better. And then once you feel better, you stop taking it and you get sick again. And so then you get sick again, so then you have to take the medicine again. It's just a big cycle um, that is just yeah. really curious to me when I look at the responses from cities and governments on every level. And um, it's kind of like we're inviting the the wave to occur again so that we can restrict it and it's just something that it just doesn't it feels like a big circle like we're not actually trying to stop the wave we're kind of just continuing um the pattern
1: the thing about these continued up and down cycles is that folks are tired (laughs) folks are tired they're tired of dealing with this we you know we we have our we're we're in the microwave generation. Regardless to your age, folks of every age at this point, especially, you know, who we call boomers and whomever else, folks are tired. They're exhausted. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to deal with this anymore. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's also the part of the C D C and a lot of organizations who kind of shift the goalposts. Uh, there's a great article um that I could share as well. Maybe I'll attach to this episode, but it shows the um, how about a year ago or a year and a half ago, the same rates we have today were considered high and high risk. Mm. Um, and, you know, the fact that 10,000 people are still dying a day, I believe this is the rate that's present from this. Um, and even when we initiated the initial lockdowns, it was much lower. Um, it's it's kind of like manufactured consent and getting people because they know people are tired you can change the level of concern um that you put in the media and people kind of just go along with it but um you don't you can't get those million people back who died of it i'm sure they were
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um they were they might have been tired of it too um you know when we think about Lifting mask mandates, and you have people who have cancer or people who are immune deficient who still mm-hmm. live, walk amongst mm-hmm. us.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know there mm-hmm. has to be a consideration for those people. And I mean, when we when we say we're tired, and we think about those individuals um, contracting it because of you know being tired about wearing a mask, it's 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 disheartening.
1: Yeah, and folks being. You know, um, uber selfish <laughs> folks focusing more on ideology and their own individual inconvenience more than the collective good or what they perceive to be the collective good. Um, man, because <laughs> now we're getting into the topic of InfoWars, which definitely brings us um, into what we actually intended to talk about today
0: right and just to even add on on that end we talked about this before but um when you live in a capitalist society you're trained to think individually um you're you're trained to think about individual comfort individual success individual everything um that's just the mentality because capitalism is about production which is the ultimate goal um and you know (laughs) it's blatant and open that the reason that governments and even organizations that are supposed to protect us, um, they loosen those restrictions because the goal is production. They want to continue creating wealth for those who are wealthy and for corporations. So, you know, keeping lockdowns and mask mandates is not in the benefit of those ideals. And so, yeah, when I always think about individual mindsets, especially like even when we talk about um, liberals and conservatives coming out and saying people are tired of this. Aren't you inconvenienced? It's from an individual mindset. It's not from community. It's not based in community protection. Um, How to serve and um, protect those who may be less fortunate than you. Um, They're kind of just fodder for the capitalist system. So um, not to dive too deep into that. But that's kind of where that comes from, that individualism um, comes from. When it comes to traveling and those things. um, And I see people traveling, going to third world countries not wearing masks and being around, you know, lower class citizens, um, who are serving them in third world countries, um, who are now open to contracting COVID and things of that nature. So it's a huge huge thing to consider um thinking about community in a pandemic um in those terms love love each other y'all <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah yeah su- uh, super concerned with uh thank you for the good segue there um even though you know this is gonna be mostly um your your dive. However, um, I'm always super concerned with the treatment of black folks, be they, African continent, diaspora or whatever. Always concerned with not only the progressions of our communities, wherever we happen to place ourselves and or find ourselves. Always super concerned with how we make community, how we find community, always super concerned with how we are treated. I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, um, we are all one humanity and on a certain deep level, you know, I am humanistic and I am super concerned with all of humanity being free from harm. That is one of the laws of my art, right? Super concerned with that. However, In addition to that though, I am one of those Black folks who at this point, I am very protective of my people and I'm protective of my energy. I'm very protective of where I apply allyship, very um, intentional about that, very intentional about where I place my support. Again, of course, I want all living beings and all human, beings to be free from harm. When it comes to other folks' stories and what's happening with them, I'm concerned. I am as concerned, though, with how those folks either resonate with Black struggle or with how those folks are treating the Black folks even amidst their own struggle. Because trust and believe, Black folks are on every place of the planet, every country in the planet every single one of them, every single one of them, even more so now at this point, because many folks from the African continent have branched out into various countries all across the world, be they Europe or be they Asia at this point to basically do um, work, a lot of work as day laborers, okay? These people are migrating into these communities they're setting up, they're part of the marketplace, they're part of the labor force. Um, Some of them are day laborers, like I said, some could be merchants and so on and so forth. And so I'm very concerned, knowing that I'm very concerned with how our folks are treated. Um, Our young people are students all across the globe in universities, all across the globe. You know, we have been taking advantage of all of these great programs, scholarships, and what have you. And as a byproduct of colonization, of course, wherever white folks have been, black folks are. So, you know, there are black Russians. There are black Ukrainians. There are, you know, folks who've been there for more than one generation or so. Um, There are folks there who are college students and what have you. There are folks there who are journalists reporters, athletes even, at this point. Um, and, and you know a lot of that um, we slash you can get into, Sean. But um, so with current events, with what's going on between and within Russia and Ukraine, as you all know, um, recently Russia decided that it was going to attack and wage war Against Ukraine in an effort to reacclimate and reannex it back into being part of Russia. I don't know if they call themselves being um, USSR again or something. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, his intention is to uh, Putin. Excuse me, President Vladimir Putin. Um, his intention is to bring Ukraine back to be part of Russia. <laughs> um and so you know that's caused a whole lot of turmoil and violence in the area there very disparaging for not only the people of ukraine but it's very disparaging for the people of russia as well the 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 russian soldiers were just in a confused mess So many of them dying and not even knowing from the get go that they were actually going to war, just thinking that they were going to, um, having initially been told they were just going to exercises and practice, (laughs) something of that order, Um, and then finding out, oh, no, these are live rounds. What? (laughs) You know, dying by the hundreds, maybe thousands at this point. uh, To be frank, I have not kept count personally. Um, And that may sound like, you know, I'm being a bad. I'm not a reporter. So let's start there. I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. So um, you know, aside from the fact of being some sort of like uh, student of history and social scientists and those types of things, you know, working in a data driven world and all those types of things. So like for my work, um, I make sure I know my numbers. But for this, as part and parcel of exactly what I said, I am more concerned with what with how. Um, Black folks are treated in situations. I have not yet taken the moment in time. I'm going to be completely frank with committing any of these numbers to my memory. Um, yeah. Wow. Th- yeah. Nice. So but I know for a fact, though, that um, folks on both sides in terms of any types of troops, folks fighting um, are just we're just initially scrambling. Many folks still scrambling. Um, civilian sites being targeted like it's it's really just a horrific story going on
0: yeah i wanted to kind of go more into though is yes uh protecting our people but kind of understanding when we see conflicts like this um and understanding imperialism and the powers that be that kind of drive the situations like we see in russia and ukraine or that we see when it comes to u.s involvement and Syria or U.S. involvement in Somali or U.S. involvement in the Israeli, Israeli occupation of Palestine when we see different things like this. The driving force behind this uh, situation here is NATO. Um, and I'm not gonna get into the complete history of the division between Russia and Ukraine. Instead, what I'll do is link a really great podcast video to the description here with the sisters at Black Power Media um, and also Hood communists as well. They have a great kind of breakdown. They did a podcast on specifically the Russia, Ukraine, NATO um, situation. So I can link that there. They'll give you a historical uh, breakdown of the actual uh, situation at hand. Um, But I think the thing that I kind of want to impart on the audience is uh, due diligence. Um, and as you stated, just 1st concern of how our people are treated. When I say our people, um, you have the same, you have a similar background, but, um, you know, I come from the stance of a pan-Africanist, so I see all African people as an extension of myself. Um, so, you know, that was my first concern, like you said. But um, I think even more so we have to understand is when the US is involved in a situation like this, we're constantly fed um, propaganda um, and information in the InfoWars <laughs> part that you mentioned, um, that would lend you to believe America is a third party and we only want peace, um, or NATO somehow wants peace. Um, but just to give a little bit of context on this situation, um, One of the bigger reasons for this conflict is the spread of NATO um, and that there was a treaty that NATO would not expand to the borders of Russia. But um, NATO has NATO and when I say NATO, I mean the US um, has continued to fund opposition because of their relationship with Putin and Russia. Um, And even in Ukraine, um, you know, on this war that occurs right now, US continues to fund Um, not only the Ukrainian government, but also extremists um, on the Ukrainian side to help, quote unquote, defeat Russia and Putin. A similar situation happened in 2014, where the US, uh, not 2014, I'm sorry, 20 years ago, uh, more than 20 years ago, when there was an initial conflict in Russia, um, where a Russian invaded Afghanistan. And the U.S. also funded extremist organization now that we know of now as Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden to to uh, help defend Afghanistan, quote unquote, from Russia. Um, And now we're seeing a similar situation in Ukraine where the U.S. is funding the Ukrainian government. But in the Ukrainian government, there are extremists. There are open neo-Nazis, Ukrainian soldiers wearing black sun patches, Ukrainian soldiers wearing Rhodesian patches. and who are openly neo-Nazis. Um, the PBS actually just did a, a feature on a Ukrainian, uh, I believe he's Ukrainian general. Um, and in the background, in his office, there is a picture of Nazi collaborator, uh, Stefan Bandera on the wall that they blurred out. <laughs> but the piece is to kind of hero size him as you know being a rebel against Russia. Um, so we're seeing this happen. Also uh, this week, the U.S. sent weapons and they put to Azov, if you guys don't know who Azov is, Azov Battalion is a neo-Nazi battalion in Ukraine. Um, so they're openly supporting these guys. Um, and you can say to what extent you can, you know, I, I'm not on the side of Russia or Ukraine. Again, I see this as an imperialist war. Um, you have two imperialist countries and well, more than two. Um, fighting each other, so it has nothing to do with me. But when it comes to our people, um, I see how our people are stuck in the middle and how they're treated by both Ukrainian and Russian soldiers. Um, there's a great clip that I'm, that I'm gonna play in here with an African gentleman who was asked by Ukrainian soldiers to take up arms. And he kind of laughed um, because this is not his fight. <laughs> this is, and also our people will be the first let out to slaughter, which happens here and abroad, um, Black people are used as kind of fodder in these military um, situations. Um, but more so, I wanted to kind of speak to also the fact that you have this information going out about the U.S. being a peacekeeper, but I believe it was the same Tuesday that the U.S. began to intervene, that the U.S. also bombed Somalia. Um, you have Israeli soldiers who are coming to uh Ukraine slash Russia to be on the side of NATO and the US and the Israeli army and Israeli police force continue to um, subjugate and terrorize the, the Palestinians. Um, see videos every single day of them doing of Israeli police doing this to Palestinians. So there's a, a large hypocrisy that comes with the narrative from the US that the, that the US is peacemakers um, whilst They still subjugate people in Africa, um, in the Middle East, in Europe um, at large rates. So, yeah, when I when I see these kind of situations occur, I'm just always very cautious of, like you said, who I give my loyalty to. Is there a hypocrisy here? Is there something going on beneath this? Have there been previous conflicts that would lead to this situation? and I think more than anything, we have to think from a um, an imperialist viewpoint that there is no country, especially a country that is uh, partnered with NATO, with the U.S., um, that is going to improve the quality of lives in these places. Um, I mean, you can even look to Afghanistan, um, which the U.S. just pulled out of, supposedly, and see how their government is left and how they left the people there um it's just a sad situation and so you know the first thing i think of how our people are affected um when it comes to these kinds of wars between imperialist nations um between european nations um because usually you're treated horribly by both sides <laughs> so i just yep. it just always bugs me when i see black folks with like Ukrainian flags because yeah. Yeah. I know why it's there I know it's there because that they, they're cool with whatever narrative they were given um, and it's usually from a US or State Department narrative that you have to dig into, you have to look and look further and look deeper into to kind of understand and I mean even this week I want to kind of wrap it up but this week um, there was actually a press release because the white house started doing um they sent out press releases to tiktok influencers (laughs) to to give them information on why this conflict started and i mean it's all information wars because obviously what we'll see is we'll see a bunch of influencers doing raps and skits and memes to kind of explain a conflict they know nothing about but because they were sent an email from the white house they're just gonna parrot that to their followers Mm um and so, know.
1: Right. yeah, you already know that like uh, black folks, we don't skip a beat. So the minute we see something happening, here we come with the memes and videos and stuff like that, regardless. Right. <laughs> um, right. And I've had a good chuckle in many of those. But I I, I want to be super clear in addition to in addition to in part and parcel of what you already been sharing is that. Again, as Pan-African, it's like, we, we gotta be real careful with where we put our allegiance. Because like you said, usually both sides, no matter what's going on, treats us like crap. And more to the point there, um, we've been seeing videos almost since the first was dropped about the difficulties that Black folks, be they, immigrants, be they, students, even college students, or whatever the case may be, Folks having difficulty, of course, you know, when 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 you have a place that's attacked, naturally, the instinct of many people is going to be to flee, to run, to leave, you know, go to the next neighboring country or find some type of exit if they can. Folks having difficulties at the borders, folks having difficulties at the um, different uh, uh, transportation hubs. You know, not being allowed or, you know, these are reports that are coming out of there um, in Ukraine of like folks being um, not so much pushed to the back of the line, but white folks being given the priority, (laughs) you know, at borders, at and it's not
0: hidden. These videos, it's not hidden. They, they openly say that white people should be boarding first. Or, right.
1: Um, right. And the crazy thing about it is that so it, to to amplify your point about infowars, now I'm gonna kind of at the at the at, against my better judgment, I'm gonna side with my whole Holtep brothers and sisters here <laughs> about you know, like I don't I don't really believe in all that like false flag type stuff. I don't believe in that stuff. Um, it's it's a bunch of mess, but regardless, um, they may typically have their facts wrong, but what they don't get wrong is that there is a concerted effort by powerful people, um, with, uh, money and power politically to gain in all industries who purposefully gather and create content. I mean, it's, you know, it's propaganda like it's always been. Propaganda like it's always been. Like, folks did propaganda for the Revolutionary War, of uh, the um, American Revolution, I mean. Uh, you know, like Paul Revere, he was uh, dis- uh, creating and distributing little um, propagandist cartoons. Like, that's, you know, one of the main things that he did, aside from that, you know, running around, the British are coming, whatever. And it's also, all
0: awesome. um. ahead
1: ahead. that's it's fine um yeah i'll I'll wrap it up so (laughs) um but yeah like the the info wars have been here it's been here so there um has always been a concerted effort on the parts of our society that want and actually have and want to maintain the most power to create as much propaganda um we can like edit that part <laughs> um, to create as much propaganda as possible, and to sway the public, or at least those parts of the public that would more strongly sway to their side, to their side, to control the court public opinion. Um, and so, you know, since those reports, so getting back to Ukraine, like since those reports of black folks not being the priority. Let me turn off notifications, sorry. And we can edit out this part. Um, but my best friend does not know that I'm potting right now and I do not put my phone on silent like a smart person should. Okay, back to it. Um, so when it gets back to you, when we come back to Ukraine with regards to info wars, right? Um, we've already seen Even since those initial reports of Black folks not being given priority or being pushed um, to be deprioritized and white folks to the front. We've already seen reports now that like some of those early videos that were coming out where we saw a bunch of Black folks stranded and what have you, that wasn't, some of that wasn't even necessarily on the Ukrainian side. Some folks have said some of that was on the Polish side of the border, (laughs) you know, or like it's funky stuff like that possibly happening on either side. And it's not that I know, because clearly I'm not there, but... Given our experience and given how we know, you know, black folks at any given point, especially immigrant folks are liable to be treated. I'm not shocked if that's in any way the case. You know what I mean? Um, And we see how even Russia is beginning to start to use black folks as pawns in their propaganda, um, trying to take shots at the U.S., For example, um, with now, you know, our WNBA star, Brittany Griner, still being detained, having been um, arrested and detained over there in Russia, even on that side. Um, Now, And you know, I'm not going to get down into the weeds as to what's going on there. Just briefly, Um, allegedly Um, she was...
0: to, to Russia, y'all. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Don't bring it to no Dubai
0: because in Dubai, similar situations where a guy with right. a wee pin. It's just not smart. I mean,
1: yeah, don't, don't, she doesn't don't deserve any of that.
0: She doesn't deserve any of that. She, she should be released.
1: Don't bring your paraphernalia over yeah,
0: Over. Like, you, gotta, you gotta think smart. Um, but yeah, she should be released. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. just advice to my African brothers and sisters. Hello,
1: enthusiasts.
0: <laughs> when you travel, travel smart. That's all.
1: Yeah. So, you know, sis got caught over there with her CBD oil, allegedly. Um, And so now, you know, she could possibly face, I think someone said something like uh, possibly 10 years in prison, you know, up to or something of that order. Um, You know, it's more than obvious that they're using this as like, you know, uh, not so much a bargaining chip, but like um a pawn of manipulation and stuff against uh the u.s side or what have you i mean also
0: this is a this is also not a like when i say foreign i mean like a regular story like i mm -hmm. said there was a, a white gentleman who was just arrested in dubai because something had residue on it that he hadn't used in months i believe and um the stories online you guys can search it but you know they were or he is in jail for years. I mean, different places have different rules. So that's just my thing is if you're traveling to a country that you know might have an edge of fascism to it, (laughs) um, please travel smart um, because these things occur. And you could be a bargaining chip. You could just be an example that's being set. Um, and you just don't. And we,
1: we know she's definitely being used as an example of um, right. Russia, given what's going on. Like, right. we did but, not need to make no whole big spectacle out this girl. Right. And right. not yeah. to mention that the only people who even care about her story right now, at this point, except for like uh, folks who love celebrity gossip, is Black folks. Like, the, the US um, side, like media and what have you, they have not made as big of a stink about her detainment as they should be. But, um, it's much. mostly us who give a crap.
0: uh, Trump got all them people out when he was uh, president, right? But (laughs) when they was locked up overseas, but the Mm -hmm. Paul Sun and um, Freddie Gibbs, a few other people. But what I wanted to kind of speak more to as well is um, the narrative portion of our conversation when it comes to like who to believe and who not to. Um, Again, I don't really... Propaganda from either side, I'm not really too much invested in. I just want to learn what the history and what the actual facts concerning these situations are and how it relates to us. Um, you know, we do see things coming out now where um, the media, and I, when I say media, I mean mainstream media, have kind of said, oh, the neo Nazi factions in the Ukrainian government aren't that large. And any propaganda that comes out claiming, that there is a bunch of neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian government, it's Russian propaganda. Um, my issue with that statement is almost every picture we see of <laughs> Ukrainian soldiers, of, of a huge amount of them have the black sun on their outfits. Um, there's a portion of them who do have the Ro- Rhodesian flags on their outfits. Um, the US government is very open. And can you explain,
1: Sean, can you explain to our listeners what the significance of the Rhodesian flag is or even what is Rhodesia?
0: Yeah, uh it was a colony in Africa. <laughs> a huge colonial presence um in Africa and many neo-Nazis. Today's,
1: today's name for it, guys, is Zimbabwe. Right. right. So now it's it's Zimbabwe. it's Zimbabwe, okay. Right. It, it, it was Rhodesia, and, you know, yeah. we would go into who Rhodes is, but that's another pie for another right, time. Right, right.
0: But I just want to kind of be specific. Is, yeah,
1: another pie for another right. time. So, so just, of- just to give you some background as to what that means, sort of, if they're having a Rhodesian flag, it, it, would, it would, you know, in some parts be akin to, oh, I don't know. Um, if Haitian people would walk around all of a sudden calling themselves Saint-Domingue, <laughs> like you know, or or if when um any white person would speak about Haiti they would say, Oh yeah, Saint Domingue or or for example when um certain white folks speak about Asada they they purposely say Joanne Chashamard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that, that type so of thing. To give people a more current um affiliation, uh neo Nazis, whether they are here or in other countries, like to wear the flag because they love the idea of the colony that was Rhodesia, um, and what Rhodes did, um, as far as subjugating and ethnic cleansing, um, his goals and doing that. Um, also Dylan Roof, who was the young man who shot, um, the church the nine, and killed nine people in Charleston. Um, he was wearing the Rhodesian patch as well on his outfit. Um, so it is a neo-Nazi flag. They use it a lot. Um, And you see a lot of Ukrainian soldiers wearing the same flag. Um, There's a neo-Nazi symbol called the Black Sun, which a lot of those soldiers also wear. So, you know, you get the proper you're told on the U.S. spectrum that, oh, this is just a blip, not a lot of people. But in so many videos and and images of those soldiers, they're wearing these flags Um, and also the U.S. funds extremists to carry out their goals in intervening in countries. Um, So when you're told from the US that they're trying to spread peace, they're not trying to cause peace. They're not doing that. I mean, um, they send money to extremist organizations to fight on their behalf in these countries. Um, And as I stated previously, Al-Qaeda was a huge example of that. Um, And even so far as, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton was just on MSNBC last week and she gave the example of that last uh, conflict with Russia when it came to Afghanistan. And she, you know, trying to admonish Russia, which, again, I am not with Russia. I, I think that they're an imperialist power just as much as the U.S. would be. But she gave that example of Russia and Afghanistan in conflict and she left out the Akita part. <laughs> and then, you know, and that's a, an extremist organization in which they spent um, the two thousands quote unquote fighting against um and pursuing and you know you now you see the same thing occurring Mm -hmm. even so much as you see the israeli government going to support ukraine and there's a huge neo nazi presence in ukraine Mm -hmm. so it's like so these guys are unified for what Uh Um, there's always a reason you have to ask yourself why that is occurring Uh um because it's probably not just what you're being told they just it's, these countries are doing out of the goodness of their heart. Um, it's
1: definitely not. It's definitely um, for the purpose of consolidating and seizing and maintaining power, and the more that they can stoke the fires of radicalizing people and keeping extremism going within the general public. And I mean, it on the surface it sounds like something that is completely antithetical to having a stabilized society and, and, and your, your nation, whatever it is, just yeah. running and running OK and that people are OK and your industries are OK so that your country functions properly. Um, never mind the fact that a lot of times a lot of these countries, ours included, is really not functioning that well. The, the models on which we run are not sustainable. But this ties back into not only the info wars, but the need for the info wars. So and,
0: and being particular because when you're watching a PBS interview of a soldier, and there's a portrait blurred out, and, then, and they're talking about how great this soldier is fighting on behalf of the Ukraine, and the US to defeat the evil Russia, which the great Russia just might as might be evil. Of course, I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about the leadership. But you know, when PBS. Public Broadcast Services is blurring out a photo of a neo-Nazi collaborator in the background because that doesn't fit the narrative that they're trying to paint um, about how great this uh, soldier is. It's just something that's like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. am I being fed a narrative here? Am I being told something that might not necessarily be 100% the truth? Right. Um, Are they trying to get my consent here to agree with these people? Um, so you to ask while
1: we're so while we're on that topic again, getting even deeper into the whole infowars aspect, talk about. I like the fact that you brought up the word um, consent. So, um, and I think that's the pl- the next place we wanted to go is about manufacturing dissent and manufacturing consent. So, you know, this is the big age of data, right? um so and, and you know this is not an ad um unless they would ever actually pay us i don't care if it's one cent but um, <laughs> you know b- um big up to a couple of sources of course um like um a documentary the great hack on netflix so you know you 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 think that it's only as we we would think on the surface that it's only as nefarious as different so-called news or media sources simply manipulating what it is that they're showing us. And it's not just it's not that level anymore. It's so much deeper now. And the things that we utilize on a daily basis and we give permission to have our personal information and we interact with on not only a daily, but an hourly, sometimes minute by the minute basis facebook like you you would not believe it guys what if you haven't seen the documentary watch it but um and of course you draw your own conclusions however the amounts and I, I this is a story that folks have been you know teasing and have been saying and saying with you know not so much teeth over the maybe about past 10 years <laughs> or even five years folks have been talking about you know oh, we should really be careful about I, I think the other documentary was like the social network or something like that and there, there have been a couple others and you know you can um read all sorts of articles about it on, uh, yourself as well but in the late 2010s around about like 2000 what 17 or so Um, The New York Times broke this big story about a data group. Well, that's that's keeping it light. Um, They they were so much more in a data group. But Cambridge Analytica and their relationship with Facebook and exactly what many media sources, government sources and so many other folks have been talking about Facebook's collection of data on all of us. And where the hell is this data going? And what the hell is it being used for? You know, um, football fields full of servers worth of data on all of us, every single Our one Facebook,
0: of us. Facebook just sent me an update that we haven't updated the Blackocracy Facebook page in a while. Right. That, that, that'll fit right yeah. into that. They literally yeah. ping that to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, they, yeah, they just ping that to you while we're talking about them, right? Sure. So <laughs> so. So, New York Times initially broke this story. Um, And, you know, you you can do your Googles, go uh, look up, you know, the finer points of everything that happened there and what the scandal was and the fallout. Um, But throughout like 2018, 2019, 20, and what have you, and on up until, you know, now this documentary, and it's gonna continue for some time because, you know, and of course, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has gone up in front of Congress and whatever, and has lied through his teeth about how um he didn't know that they still had the data that they had promised to delete it and on one hand they had promised to delete it and then they did not and kept using it but nevertheless um, and Facebook was not the only source providing them with data, but I'm telling y'all like all these little ways that we've been using Facebook over the years, whether it was for farm bill, whether it was for, you know, the little games everyone was playing years ago. And even these games now where it's a little, those little quiz survey things every time those, those games like, Oh, you know, which full house, um, character would you have been, or, you know, what'll be in shine's future, such and such. All those little games, y'all, they have been collecting multiple data points on every single one of us users, given all of those things that we played, clicked, no matter what it was, they they mined all that data, they've combined it all into analysis and they've been providing it to sources like Cambridge Analytica and, and including them. I mean, um, I'm sorry, Cambridge Analytica is now defunct, but nevertheless, they provided it to them, and they in turn took that information, analyzed it, and they figured out when and how and where they could pinpoint certain um, beliefs, amplify certain beliefs, create um, targeted ads, create targeted propaganda, and not only radicalize folks within our country radicalized folks um, who are more like, say, for example, folks who are more right leaning and more likely to vote or whether or not they're more likely to vote, but they would target those specific people for specific types of ads. This is not something you opted into or anything of that sort. So using those types of models, and I mean, literally, they sat there and they just manufactured these um, random commercials and ads and photos and not only that, but they actually created Facebook pages pretending to be some type of organization. So they so they would create Facebook pages like they, they did this through all the movements that we've had or, or all of the um, ideological movements that we've had over the past, maybe about five to seven years. So um, while Black Lives Matter was popping off. And, you know, we had all these um, protests and riots and what have you all across the country throughout the pandemic, um, after the wake of the murder of George Floyd, for example, um, things happening, I mean, even going back as far as Ferguson and what have you, like using data collected from that, they would go in and create fake pages, create fake, um so-called pro-black organizations this stuff is not real nobody was behind it except them there were no black people behind this these were not real organizations but they created those pages created videos and things like that and then they would create videos to target ads to um you know like let's say forget for example um something could be created now um, hyping up critical race theory, even though it's not even a thing that's taught in school, but they would create, you know, they could create ads like that and target it toward the, um, more right-leaning people to radicalize them, not for something necessarily, but radicalize it against black folks and stoke those types of fires and then create, you know, um, more like pro pro black Yet a twisted narrative of it and that type of propaganda and target that toward, um, you know, Black folks, for example. So they, they did all those types of dirty tricks. These are the same types of things that were going on through our last maybe two or three presidential elections. And the, the craziest part about it, in addition to what I've already said, which should really just blow your mind already. But <laughs> the craziest part about this is, you know, as we're going back and forth and the right and the left in the United States keeps talking about how um, Russia has been using, you know, uh, uh, hackers and creating bots and creating, you know, all this artificial intelligence around um, analysis of data points on us and using all those Excuse me, using those tactics and creating artificial um, intelligence, artificial information, propaganda, what have you to infiltrate and undermine our democratic process for our presidential elections and being successful at it. You have additional entities in which our own government has been supportive and has promoted them. So going back to this one specific group, Cambridge Analytica, the craziest part about it is that they actually stoked that type of um, those types of fires politically and also within um, among an entire country of people, their first test ground to see how this type of tactic in order to win a democratic election for a country was actually in Guyana. Um, I don't remember. I don't rem- uh, remember the year at this point, but um, and we can also link a video short to it within um, the description for this pot as well. But they test. They used Guyana as their test kitchen, guys, and it was a presidential election coming up. They did that. They used the data. They created these um, fake groups. They. I don't want to say infiltrated groups or um, uh, organizations that were already there, but they kind of, you know, like um, got in league with them, or you know, they created propaganda, they created ad campaigns and things like that. They created this um, "do so" campaign among, um, and they really kind of wanted it to be like a more youth-led campaign. They tinged it towards the black people in Guyana, and. You know, uh, so folks were really galvanized. Young people were really out there, really interested in being um, like, they, they, they did like the old fashioned um, colonization tactic that European people used to do to people of color all across the world, you know, hundreds of years ago, where they would come in, get to know you, you know, collect as much information on you and your culture and what was important to you. And not only that, but your vulnerabilities collect all the information they could, see exactly what way they could manipulate those things against you to make themselves seem more powerful over um, the things that you were used to and you held near and dear and use that to take over. And so they did exactly that. They, you know, utilized the you know, we always say Africans have a right to resist. Right. So they used our our, our penchant for um, resistance and they targeted that and they talked about how, you know, folks, uh, young folks and black folks had the right to resist um, being manipulated and being controlled by the powers that be and stuff like that. They used this do so campaign talking about resistance, resistance, resistance. And then when it came down to the election, The black folks sat home and didn't vote. And then the folks of Indian descent, they went out and voted. And guess who ended up winning the majority of the seats and the majority um, and winning the uh, presidential election? Of course, the um, folks of Indian descent. (laughs) Black folks completely cut out of the democratic process all by all of this manipulation, through um, gathering our data and using that, weaponizing it against us. And so that was their test kitchen. It being a success, they turned around and did the same thing similarly, using Brexit in Great Britain. And then they turned around and did the same thing with the Trump campaign, the initial Trump campaign in the United States to where, obviously we know what the results was. He ended up being president, but not only that, It's like a cat out of the bag situation now where, you know, all of that, all, all all of the, uh, the, the radicalization that they both took advantage of and in a lot of ways actually grew (laughs) where it didn't, you know, necessarily like, of course it had a home to, to a large degree, given the way that our country is and our, you know, cultures, the 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 racism and everything that's here, but they took that stuff to the nth degree, to the umpteenth power, and magnified that, deeper the radicalization of folks, broadened the schisms between different factions and you know, right and left and what have you in the country. And so now that's where you need to and, and, you know, Trump was just the right person to take it to the complete next level because, you know, he's their magnate and more or less an a science to them. And it's radicalized now, even to the point where a lot of those folks are starting to call him sellout, because, <laughs> you know, he started to tell folks, oh, yeah, you should get the vaccine and whatever, whatever. And but. You know, folks have just completely gone off the deep end now. And we we know what the result of that was January 6th last year, (laughs) you know, an entire insurrection. Like, but I know I kind of got off of, um, you know, how it impacts black folks, but sort of at the same time, like we just really have to pay attention to what is going on to control the narrative. And not only that, but how everything about us and everything that we hold near and dear and even things that we're not thinking about, like how is our data being used or how is any information that you would share um, online anywhere or anything like that? How is that stuff being used to then Like, I I just would have never in my, you know, wildest imagination would imagine that somebody would take what we um you know the types of photos we share on facebook or something like that and turn that around to use it to win elections like that that just i just would have never put two and two together on that but that is exactly say, what's happening yeah but go that's ahead, ex- go ahead
0: oh no no i mean yeah finish your statement go ahead
1: yeah but that like uh Cause I I know propaganda, I know ads, I know all that type of stuff that's been going on since day one, and I get it on that. But you know, as long as folks keep sitting here making the um, making such a big fuss about, and, and rightly so, making such a big fuss about what Russia is doing in terms of hacking and what have you, but meanwhile, the U.S. government and other folks who are making the complaints. They are themselves, you know, giving up data and and um, utilizing contracting even sources that are going to do the same exact thing to undermine um, any type of stability, undermine any type of democratic process, and seize power, maintain power, and they are using that to specifically undermine um, or rather target. Black folks and anything that we might hold near and dear, any type of, you know, uh, possibility of anybody taking us seriously or any type of concern that we have, you know, that's just being mined and utilized to uh, stoke radicalization and win presidential elections. That's all that's doing. Like, <laughs> you know, we. meanwhile, you think that you're just Um, liking or supporting some type of what you think is a positive Black message. Meanwhile, there's not a real person behind it at all, except for a marketing team sitting somewhere, utilizing data to create this thing to now radicalize. Let's let's,
0: let's kind of have a boundary there because that's not the case all the time. So we want to make people understand like there are lots of great organizations online and groups online that do great things um, for the people and for Black people specifically. So I would say, just be mindful of, you know, what you are participating in and liking. And I mean, with anything, um, political education comes from community. And you have you have to be grounded in a political in your idol, in your ideology, you have to be grounded in conscious, I know that we use that word um, to mean so many different things but you have to have a basis in your ideals and what you support. And I mean, right. there are certain organizations and just to kind of accentuate what you were saying, for me, it's not really that surprising at all <laughs> about that because I mean, the US has been intervening in elections in global South countries and Middle Eastern countries. I mean. We have oh, Iran, for sure. I was, I was
1: never shocked in, yeah, I was never shocked in, um, in the imperialism.
0: 80s. Right. It's just, so, <laughs> I was never shocked yeah, the about involvement, that. The involvement of the U.S. to propagandize and manipulate people has been occurring forever, and especially here domestically. Um, but I would say and ask people, just like we said in the beginning, when it comes to global affairs, is to do your due diligence. Um, right. And make sure that you're supporting causes that are grounded in um, reality and in action and in thought. Um, you know, uh, because people just kind of support whatever they see. They don't know who's behind it, like you said. You never know who's behind it. I right? Mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. To, don't get me
1: wrong. I'm I'm not trying to delegitimize like real groups, real. Um, you know, Facebook pages, real folks out here doing great work. But of course, there's something. many of those. What I'm saying is, to the best of your ability, and and again, I'm not trying to go in the direction of our you know Hotep brothers and sisters, because some of them folks and jumped off deep also, in. But I'm hotep, I'm saying you know, like
0: Hotep is is good. <laughs> Hotep is good. We, well, well we the a, word I know, I know that we put a the, connotation the to word, it. The actual
1: word, the actual word, of oh. course, means something good. We, but I, I I'm think, speaking colloquially. I, I think about, we're talking
0: about reactionaries. We don't yeah, want to kind of. I'm, I'm talking colloquially
1: it. about reactionary folks. Right, um, right. Certain reactionary folks who. Oh, Lord, I don't want to go into that topic today. Um, yeah, yeah, but the, <laughs> we, we've but already we've spent a whole lot that. of time talking. So in another time, I'll break down what I mean by that. And and so instead of me saying ho-tep, then I'll say fo I'll say that. Like, folks <laughs> who've gone off the deep end, um, of what what is reality and what is not. And to a certain degree, I can completely understand that as I just explained many things. And as you've explained many things in this pod and in previous pods, that um, there's a constant... Like there's, there's a lot of nuance to consider. And not only that, but there are a lot of, um, you know, parts of our power structures that are around us who constantly manipulate information. So it's very easy. And, and I mean, over time, of course. So it's very easy to see how some folks can, um, you know, if, especially if you are not, um, you, you, you know, you, you are not properly rooted in any sort of um like school of thought and not only school of thought but like perspective where you can learn and grow and you know like be rooted in your blackness a lot of folks just plain old didn't grow up with any type of positive sense of blackness for example or a lot of folks didn't necessarily grow up with any real type of consciousness so then by the time they come around as an adult to it you know it's kind of like a free-for-all of information and at that point and they didn't have the proper basis um or rooting so like any and, and at the same time they get confronted with the fact that the narratives that they were given from um you know from dominant society the narratives they were given from day one are a lot of them are false so <laughs> so a lot of the you know folks um they don't make <laughs> it out sanely they don't make it, it out alive I um, mean, listen,
0: it, we both have been there too because like there was like sometimes i'll see statuses that i put up that i would not agree with at all now i think it's funny uh a lot of times you're told when you're younger you'll be more radicalized um and i feel like as i've gotten older i've become a radicalized like there was a there was a stage in my life where i was like staunch black liberal like i was down with democrats
1: <laughs> i was
0: i was taking in the obama essence like i was just like so with it Um, But as I've gotten older, my radicalization has become because of not only what I do for a living, but also from like, I don't read a crazy amount of books, um, but I try to read as much as possible um, things that help me to grow and to be grounded. So like there is, you know, all kinds of different uh, texts and books on Pan-Africanism, on scientific socialism, on... Uh, previous struggles um, in Africa and the global South, things I need to understand and know about, I try to be rooted in those things if I'm going to do political education or political searches, because um, it's so easy, like you said, to fall for whatever you're being spoon-fed because of your social uh, footprint or um, because of the things that, you know, if you're looking up certain stuff, you might be fed, um, 8 million links with the same premise, but they'll have, they'll be from different organizations who have different purposes. And sometimes something may appeal to you. Like, let's say you brought up Brexit, the Brexit thing from like Candace Owens and um, Kanye, when he was on his like Republican kick so long ago. Oh, child, I said,
1: I said they, Brexit. They, I didn't say Brexit, but we could talk about them too. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying
0: how you're fed these things that sound mm-hmm. good. They sound like, and I mean, I'll even loop BLM in there because they named themselves mm-hmm. after the whole movement. Um, uh-huh. So you have you have A I just named I just named <laughs> two movements that are completely different because they're on different spectrums. But I'm talking about what they're rooted in and like. You have one of them, BLM, who the Democratic Party, they fell into that hole with them. And then we think about what the Democratic Party does to us. The Democratic Party is all about giving us representation, but not action. And I mean, that organization kind of is the reflection of that, where you have the Blexit thing that is all about you know being different, speaking your mind. But they're all about appealing to the conservative aspect of our nation. That's all about subjugating Black folks. Like you have to like, understand what you're being given and kind of be able to analyze it. Because if you don't, you're easily susceptible to fall into like some kind of loop of an organization that's not based on any actual help to your people, or your community.
1: Right. Many um, fringe ideologies that have been created either recently or even within the past, maybe 100, 150 years among our folks. We've got to be real careful about the narratives because Some folks have very good intentions um, in creating some type of narrative or some type of identity or story that they did so on purpose in order to anchor us somewhere, but they did not necessarily intend or mean for us to really just jump off the deep end with it. But then some of it, as you already said, like Blexit, like, you know, the Candace Owens and what have you, it's all grift, (laughs) like poverty pimps, if you will, grift, grift all day long and
0: and they already know how i feel about this but it's also like the black folks who have the american flag all over themselves mm um i um, don't really want to speak on them but we have before where it's like some of these movements are griffs and Mm -hmm. i mean we just named two griffs and there's the third one i'm just kind of touching on them but you yeah you have to think about like A lot of the politics of some of these organizations come off as um, whatever kind of activism, but there is conservative, liberal, whatever, but like they're not about revolution. They're mostly about like performance and reform. Um, But again, it's what they claim to be versus what they are that as a Mm -hmm. people, you have to do your due diligence because you also Could be ending up on some kind of mining (laughs) that they just want to mine, like you stated. Um, And I think it's funny.
1: That's what a lot of this is about. (laughs) To kind of
0: go back to your mining the data thing, it's funny to me because, like, uh, I remember when Trump was in office. God, you know, you watch MSNBC and those those stations that would appeal to the more liberal, neoliberal mindset, and you just heard Russia twenty four seven. What's the lady's name? Rachel Maddow. She's just rushing Mm -hmm. Jeff. Um, And now you see now with like the Dems are in office and now they're just like, Russia is the big bad, right? And it's like, man, y'all do the same stuff. (laughs) You do the same exact thing. Like the US government manipulates data. And um, there's the whole, uh, there was a study that like was saying that in all presidential elections, um, the campaign that spends the most money is always the one that wins. Um, mm-hmm. There's the corporate interests. And just like, you see it. and I mean, there's government documents on all of the different programs. I mean, mm-hmm. COINTELPRO is one, probably the most relevant to us, mm-hmm. but um, that's still happening now. Like I was having a conversation with my friend about the social media influencers and those people. And, and then that, that thing I mentioned earlier about how the US, the White House, is sending out briefings to the top influencers on TikTok on what's happening in ukraine and it's like um there's this constant propaganda push and so it's just interesting when the u.s always has this big bad um that's responsible solely for the indiscretions of the world and it's like man y'all are doing the same stuff <laughs> and i'm and I also want to make it clear that's not what about like it's not to say mm-hmm. you, know, you know um you know so what the u.s does it? they're trying to get rid of these people who do it too and it's like what about ism is not when i say hey you are also killing me too <laughs> like you are also putting my life in danger is not what about that's pointing out something that i'm hoping can help wake folks up so that our lives we can save our lives mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah so it's just uh it's just really crazy. So I just thought about that Ooh. when you brought up the Russian uh how we were just being told constantly about Russian election interference. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's horrible. But aren't we doing the same thing? Like, shouldn't the US stop doing that too?
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we we talked about Haiti on a on a previous pod. I mean, you got And Haiti, I'm
1: glad you brought it up because I was I to mention that.
0: Right. <laughs> it's like um, yeah so you know you just can't take things at face value a lot of times and um yes, it's inconvenient but a great way for me I've learned to adapt with that is just you know Malcolm X said a similar thing where it's like whatever I'm being told I think about what's the opposite what what could the opposite? <laughs> what could the opposite be and then I do my research um because I just can't take anything to be at, at complete face value when it comes from the mainstream media, which is unfortunate, but like, you know, that's why, you know, we talked before about like COVID skepticism and things like that. I get why people are skeptical of things they're told. Um, But you also have to do your own research.
1: Um, and when we say do your own research, we don't mean just going off of, um, (laughs) no disrespect, honestly. You know, You don't mean just
0: going on a Reddit, you mean I shouldn't just go on a Reddit board of people who think just like
1: me? Uh, Yeah, no, 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 no. When when we talk about, you know, doing your own research and doing due diligence, we, we mean peer reviewed and it's no longer an excuse. Where you know we can say that only folks who've gone to uh, the white man's institutions have access to uh, properly sourced and peer reviewed sites um, and, and sources of information. You don't type in Google Scholar, and I think that JSTOR. still has um, some information available. They had made a lot of their libraries free through the pandemic. I don't know if they've changed that or not by now, but it's certainly worth looking at. Um, You need to look at varying viewpoints, not just the ones that resonate with what you already think or already believe or something that supports something you're already comfortable with. You definitely need to look beyond that. My initial degree, for those who don't know, was a BA in history from Boston College. And I didn't so much learn history, although I did, but what that degree work really taught me was how to learn, (laughs) not so much the information, although I learned information, it taught me how to learn, how to analyze. You have to do a pretty comprehensive or exhaustive um, look into things and not just what's going to suit what you already believe about the world. Right. And I Um, mean,
0: also just to add to that part is sometimes it might just take looking up the historical events of a thing. Um, like I'm a, I like history. I like to learn about history. And so like, when you see a situation that you might not be so familiar with, best thing to do, like we both said, is don't go to a place like a Reddit board where people just think like like you, so you can just be sucked into a vacuum, is to kind of like look up third party history of a a nation or a conflict. And like you said, Google Scholar is the best place probably to do that. Um but yeah, like I try to like just look up the historical aspect of a thing. Um, and it helped me, it always helps me to get some kind of basis outside of, let's say an op-ed New York Times or something like that, because that's coming from an opinion basis. It's not coming from like a factual um, historical aspect.
1: Absolutely. And my, my last thing that I would encourage anyone to do is to be careful of your own biases and be careful of your own short sightedness. And what I mean by that is, listen, and I don't mean any disrespect to any of my people, but listen, let me explain something to you. If you ain't been nowhere outside of your usual geographic area, not really like maybe you've traveled places within the United States if you have but a whole lot of us have not let's just be let's just be real about it we haven't met people outside of our own cultures we have not really except for those folks outside of our cultures who do business in our neighborhoods right or in our communities or the folks we have to work with or what have you doesn't mean you've done too much of a deep dive in those folks' cultures and the way that they live, um, and you can only, you know, presume with so much. So, if you have not traveled to other countries, if you have not even traveled to see how cultures of other Black folks throughout this country you know, the rest of our diaspora, because we're a tribal people. We're we're similar, but different everywhere. So if you have not done so much as that, if you haven't so much as gone to a museum, as much of a despicable place as on the, you know, on a deep dive it may be, because obviously they, by and large, if it's historical artifacts, nine times out of 10, it's the result of colonization. So, you know, I'm not big enough that part of it, but the fact of the matter is it has information there and you can be exposed to other cultures and other you know pieces of information about other cultures. If you haven't gone to other countries outside of the United States, and I'm not just talking about a cruise with the family to the Bahamas, be careful about the opinions and things like that, that or biases that you carry into um, any type of topic conversation and how you'll let you know your ignorance be warped or what have you by different um, types of warped narratives or what have you like just be careful about that type of stuff because a lot of the things that I see when it comes to like social media or what have you a lot of the things that I see a lot of folks and I mean our own people saying, Simple things, simple things. That if you just knew anything about human beings outside of the United States, or even human beings outside of your own um, insular community, I just you just wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> you just <laughs> wouldn't per- be saying it's that. It's
0: perspective because I mean, um, you know, I we talked. I don't want to harken back to previous episodes, um, but like <laughs> you know. When we always talk, it's from a a place of how are our people being treated? Um, But then more so when you're talking about international affairs, outside of the leadership of a nation, what is the feeling of the people on the ground?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: That's kind of where I come from, where, you know, again, I don't want to go back to previous episodes, but like just talked about, um, situations and propaganda situations, um, and we know, from my perspective, the SOS Cuba thing was a huge propaganda machine, definitely backed by the US because mm-hmm. the U.S. said so.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once
0: you kind of got more images from on the ground, whether you feel like they were compelled to or not, there were larger demonstrations of people who were pro socialism and the socialist government there. Um, but you kept being fed images of SOS Cuba. Why? Because the U.S. and Cuba, we know that they're historical relations. Um, also Russia is involved with those relations because it's all relative. Um, mm-hmm. and we know that the U.S. intends to continue to spread capitalism to other countries because has a financial stake in these countries' economies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you just have to kind and of the destabilization
1: beware. and right. the destabilization thereof. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so like it's and always the radicalization the, most important,
1: of the people. <laughs> right.
0: And it's most important is how do people feel on the ground. And of course, there's not a consensus because there ain't a consensus here. But you can right. tell specifically who is being who is doing the subjugating or who is doing the uh manipulation. You can typically tell with just a, a little bit of research or um asking people <laughs> um, <laughs> that you may know who are being affected in those places. Um so yes yeah, we have been recording for a while.
1: Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we have.
0: So yeah, um, I think this was a good episode. I think uh the theme of this episode definitely sounds like uh discernment and yeah. being aware of if you're being fed propaganda or if you're being fed facts and how you might be able to um, do your own research or who, where your empathy should typically lie in those instances. Um, yeah, I think that is that's yeah, kind of info, what we felt, or the theme of this episode. Info is.
1: narratives. Mm-hmm. All those types of
0: things. I've sure. Gotta say, Jessica, your picture on Zoom is looking like your grandmother.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. here's a funny. Here's the funny thing about it. Sorry, In that sorry. picture. You don't have exactly. And that <laughs> the funny thing about it is that in that picture, I actually look like either one of them. And if I if I show you, <laughs> no seriously. And if I if I show you a picture of my mom's mom, Nana Tina, if I show you a picture of Nana Tina, you'd be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I can see it. I'm, I'm sitting here. If you guys don't know, my uh, my Zoom picture is the Black Power Ranger with a kufi on.
1: Yeah, Black um, Power Ranger with
0: the he he is kind of hotep but he's not a reactionary one though. He's kind I of. I feel
1: like the avatar for this episode should probably be that Black Power Ranger with the
0: <laughs> Alright, I'll make. <laughs>
1: I feel like that that's will be neat. this
0: episode's art. <laughs> will be my zoom but, picture.
1: Yeah, real deep pod We really didn't get the laugh or joke about a daggone thing.
0: Did um, the beginning. We did a little update. We laugh at we laugh at your COVID.
1: We laugh at my COVID. Yeah, y'all, don't laugh at me being stupider. Don't do that. <laughs> don't laugh. Don't laugh at me getting dumb. That's not cool. I'm sorry, uh, y'all. My
0: wife just said again. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> About the December COVID oh, that she had.
1: And I heard her too. <laughs> <laughs> my Sagittarius sister is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Did you tell her that I taught my first yoga class this morning?
0: I mean, it just happened this morning. It's happening like just her. now.
1: I long. did. There you go.
0: Heard her. Yay, it just happened. So, an- like, I didn't even get a chance to talk to her. Did, we've been God. talking for like an hour and a half. Yeah, we've hour. been talking a while.
1: <laughs> But, yeah, guys, yeah, I'm just closing on a happy note. Yeah, I taught my first yoga class this morning. I'm on my also, way. Though. Hey, be you know, doing also,
0: it. also, don't you have like eight master's degrees? Aren't you a. <laughs> so, that's
1: yeah, what I sounds just... more.
0: That's me. That's, I mean, yes, you know, yoga is a wonderful thing. Also, like you were in school forever. So Yeah, I was.
1: Um, so, I just finished um, my master's in social work degree. Um, I'm set to take my license and exam so that I can then begin to, that, that's just the LMSW and then um, I'll get, you know, my clinical hours and whatever because I'm also doing um, a certification course in maternal mental health. Um, I'm going to, as far as counseling goes, um, I'm going to make my specialization in maternal mental health, you know, postpartum mood disorders and things of that sort. Um, so I'm I'm going through a certification course right now. Um, for that, and I'm going to use that, you know, within um, my studying and what have you for my LMSW, and then take that into getting some clinical hours, being supportive of BIPOC mamas, um, yeah. pregnant people, birthing people, in you know their mental health. All right. um, being able to provide counseling services. For those who don't know, I'm a doula as well. I currently have two clients. Um, they're not due, but for like months off from now, but whatever, so I'm into birth work. So I wanna be able to um, be among my colleagues who can provide uh, mental health supports for um, specifically, But you know, of course I will never turn away a client as long as it aligns. But my aim and focus though, my intention is to be available for and to the um, birthing people of color and more specifically black birthing folks. Um, If you know anything about birth equity, you know why I'm saying birthing people rather than just saying women. Um, Not everyone who chooses to birth identifies as a woman. So, That's all good. Um, I am here as a support person. I'm not here to tell people how they should self identify. It has nothing to do with me, not my service, not my (laughs) monkeys. At the end of the day, you choose to birth, and I'm here to support you as long as we align. Um, And if we don't align, I have a multitude of fellow cisterns in the work to whom I can refer you. And believe me, I know some powerful folks in this work. So, if you ever want to get in contact with anyone um, to who's engaged in birth work in your area, you can always send um, us an email as well and I'll connect with you through there. Um, we are at theblackocracy at gmail.com. I don't mind um, you connecting with us through there. You can send us a message even on um, our socials. Same thing on Twitter, same thing on Instagram. Um, and I, I'm more than happy to connect with you and uh yeah just like kind of deep into that type of work in addition to my freaking day job so anything that i can do to support and provide wellness for birthing people of color especially seeing as how black folks and native folks have the highest rates of maternal mortality um and once we combine that with hispanic folks we have the highest rates of trauma during labor um and traumatic birthing experiences. So just trying to be part of the solution there.
0: Right. And I mean, some of the work I've actually done on the continent um, has been involved with infant child mortality. Um, So it's a huge concern in our communities. And it's a whole nother pod episode that we can actually talk about that. Um, Oh yeah. And I have some questions for you probably offline about a few things that have become uh, more popular now when it comes to birthing black babies. I don't know if you know what road I'm thinking about, but there's been con- some concerns lately when it comes to uh, uh transracial births and things like oh, that, that lord I,
1: oh lord have
0: mercy oh that's what you're about. talking
1: about oh man yeah we can talk about that offline i guess I, right. I don't really have that <laughs> much of an opinion because like i said i'm protecting right. my energy y'all right. yeah. i got to i got to do for me lucius whatever she's whatever cookie is saying <laughs> i got to take care of myself whatever she's talking about i don't even watch the show whatever i, I saw a clip right so let's but, let's not let's
0: uh, not dive into that right now we can talk oh, about no,
1: no dive whatsoever but but what being I do, your position
0: is being all of that you do when it comes to child uh, and health and wellness. I'm very curious.
1: Yeah. and But I, the, the last thing I definitely want to echo to the people is y'all, because this is helping me out so much. I used to be one of those folks that, you know, the minute somebody, had something stupid to say online you know I'm, I'm riding in with the crusade to let them know how stupid they are child when i put down those tools of war i can't tell you how much better my life has gone <laughs> how much more i'm able to focus on so many other things like i said i have clients now i'm t- doing the classes you know I me mean? i'm making my little tinctures and teas for people um, helping folks out with whatever or you know trying to like de-stress people and everything I'm able to do so many more things when I just yeah. stop giving a crap about whether or not somebody says something stupid online and to let them know how stupid it is right so like a lot of things I just do not give my energy anymore like literally so you can't smart. care about everything
0: it's you smart. can't and I think um even more so when you think from a productive mindset of not only how our entire episode has been about like how are our people affected but how can i improve the lives of our people um if that's like where you start um and typically mm-hmm. typically when you have that ideal your next thought is action um because mm-hmm. thought without action right is purpose purposeless so you want to be mm-hmm. able to like, so when you think of things um you can think of how this organization or how these people are actionably improving the lives of our people and also mm-hmm. how can I? And then like you said, filter out the noise. Because like filter
1: out the noise, man. This
0: this conflict in Europe don't have nothing to do with me and my people. And where That's my it. people come into it is how are they being treated and how can you know how can I be of some kind of assistance or support in any kind of way. Um because support mm-hmm. doesn't just come in one way, which we had another whole pot about. Um mm-hmm. yeah like more productive thought. I guess is the is the ideal instead of getting caught up in controversies and in these ignorant actions and crazy stories that they 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 try to trigger you you know and upset you but like how can I repurpose that feeling into something productive and positive All right so we'll talk to you guys in a week or two um, follow us online. You can follow me at Shine Travis on Instagram at ShineXTravis on Twitter. In um, the Blackocracy uh, everywhere else.
1: Yep, the Blackocracy everywhere. You can also follow me on um, Instagram and Twitter. I'm actually Earthen Star, so like the planet Earth, Earthen Star, E A R T H E N S T A I. yes. that's pretty much it. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Peace and happy.